Welcome to Soul Talk, soulful conversations exploring who you are, why you're here, and how to live your most authentic life. My name is Coop Blackson, nationally best-selling author of You Are The One, transformational teacher, and your host. I invite you to subscribe to the Soul Talk podcast for weekly inspiration from me, where I will share with you some powerful ideas, thoughts, and practical life wisdom to help you live life more fully, freeing yourself from your past, reclaiming your power, and living your true life's purpose. You can also go to www.coopblackson.com, enter your name and email to download my free two-part video training series and learn the ultimate secrets to happiness and fulfillment. Let's get started with Soul Talk. Welcome, folks. Welcome to a very special episode of the Soul Talk podcast. I'm very excited about today's episode. My guest today is someone I've uh, had on Soul Talk before. So if you don't know of him, I think uh, he's a really important voice in today's world world of turbulent times. Uh, He's written a book that really inspired me many years ago, The Ascent of Humanity. Read that, folks. It's uh, really amazing and thought-provoking. His other book, Sacred Economics, is also quite the read. Uh, So you're in for a treat. We're going to put the first interview I did with him, we're going to put it in the show notes that will go into some of his backstory and set a bit of a foundation. So check that out in the link in the show notes. But I'm very excited to welcome back to Soul Talk, Charles Eisenstein. Charles, welcome. Oh, yay. Hey, hey, Kud. I'm really happy to be back. It's great to be uh, back, man. Yeah. Uh, you're someone that really inspires me and gets me thinking in in, in different ways, um, stretches my mind and my heart and my spirit. So I'm really excited about the conversation. Uh, last time I had you on, I think we were kind of in the beginning stages, the first few months of of, of COVID and this pandemic experience. And we were like in the throes of things. So I, I just want to start off by... Uh, asking you, so off, uh, let's say throughout the last two, three years, coming out of this pandemic, looking back, I'm curious as to, for you to shed some light on your perspective of the last few years for us, for you to shed some light on maybe some of your learnings, what you've observed about yourself, what you've observed about life, what you've learned, and to kind of help us make sense of what the hell has been going on the last few years in terms of a, a, a humanity perspective? Like what is, what is the process that we are, we've been in and we are in as a humanity right now? Like why are we going through some of this shit basically? Let's start there. <laughs> yeah. So the, yeah. Yeah. Like, so even that question, like what the hell is going on here? Anyone asking that question is already uh, a little bit more sane than ah. people who are not even asking that question. Because mm. you're recognizing that something out of the ordinary is going on here, that there's some kind of some kind of madness that is really hard to make sense of. And if and and so if if you're having trouble making sense of things and that bothers you, mm-hmm. that is a good sign. That's a sign that you are curious, that's a sign that you are aware that something uncanny is happening something that that calls to our our uh impulses to, to understand things um and i'll and i'll say like you know i can offer my my sense making my take on what's going on but and so can a lot of other people and i would just encourage you to be very be a little suspicious 
of anybody who's offering to fit our times into a tidy narrative that says, mm. here's what's going on. Mm. So that's like, that's maybe a little disclaimer. Um, but I think that that one one way to look at the past few years is to say that we as a society went through a period of madness, uh, a period of of insanity, an, an episode of insanity that has revisited humanity for uh, for for you know ever since the beginning of history, and actually since before the beginning of history, mm. where everybody just you know it's hysteria sweeps the land. And people do crazy things and 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 terrible things to each other. Mm. They they like a lot of people have bitter memories of the ostracism, of the uh, oppression, of the exclusion, um, of the nonsensical mandates that. I hope I'm not being too controversial here, but but mm. many of us saw it that way anyway. That mm. were then that were then normalized, like the yeah. normalized insanity, where that makes you think, am I the only crazy person here? Am I, the, am I the only person who thinks that there's something wrong? And then it's like we woke up from it, and all of a sudden as if it's as if it never happened, which is also part of the gaslighting. It's like, hold yeah. on a second. Did, didn't, didn't something insane just happen to us? And now we're just gonna pretend that everything's normal again without mm. even looking at the the, the causes Mm-hmm. of what happened mm-hmm. like and so that's kind of crazy making too mm. but so on one level it looks like just something that everyone would rather not talk about yeah because it's embarrassing uh-huh. the things that, that that people did the things that people believed mm-hmm. in the light of what is now generally accepted quietly mm-hmm. um we're crazy mm-hmm. you know you have I, I, I'm not going to, you know, go back and litigate all the details, you know, of vaccinations and ivermectin mm-hmm. and masks and all this kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I could, but <laughs> that that itself is kind of a social faux pas at this point mm-hmm. to mention the unmentionable. And then there's also like a healthy desire to move on. But mm-hmm. if we move on without even looking at the deeper causes of what happened, then yeah. we are doomed to repeat it in some some form. Yeah. 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 Well, so what, 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 like, can you speak to some of the deeper causes of what happened? Like, how the hell did it even get to the stage where some of it happened? What, what, what's at the root of, of that? Just so that we can learn so yeah. that we don't have to repeat it because, you know, now we're also kind of hearing, oh, there's a new variant and there's some stuff yeah. floating around and some people are afraid, like, oh, the same thing's going to happen again. And it's like, this will be crazy yeah. making. So it's not going to happen. So for one thing, yeah, I, I can answer your question, but first, it's not going to happen again. Yeah, it's not going to work. People mm. just just don't really believe it anymore. Mm. It's kind of like after 9-11, when they tried to exploit other terrorist attacks, or you could say manufacture other terrorist attacks, mm. like the London subway bombings. Uh, and, you know, compared to 9-11, it just did not arouse the level yeah. of terror. Mm. Uh so that 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 particular device to tap into the latent fear and in-group out-group thinking of the population was exhausted and so then the next thing that came was the pandemic mm. and that's not going to work again hmm. so so you know the cynical part of me says well they'll have to think of something else but you know like this whole idea of they 
they'll have to think of something else. That itself is also part of the mania. Mm. And it can be even addictive. Like there's some, like the people who say it's going to happen again, oh my God, um, there's a there's part of them that kind of wants it to happen again because it validates your role as a dissident, as a resistor, as a revolutionary, as a rebel. Uh, and, and it casts the world into understandable terms, us versus them. Yeah, and that yeah. gets a little bit at, at to what the real origin of it is. It, it is in fact us versus them thinking, where where you have social stress, you have all kinds of crises that are converging upon our civilization that we know very little about how to solve. Their 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 causes are complex, like ecological disintegration, um, like you know political decay, social decay, our, our, our moral decay. Like there are so many ways in which in which society is deteriorating. Mm. And boy, wouldn't it be nice to be able to blame it on one thing? Mm. Then we would know what to do, especially if that's if that one thing is something that you can then control a, a bad guy. Now this is a very ancient social pattern. Mm. A lot of a lot of the work I did during COVID was based on the philosophy of this uh, guy, Rene Girard. He was a anthropologist and a theologian. And he um, traced th- through history and myth, uh, th- what he called the, the primal social crisis, hmm. which was, um, he called it reciprocal violence, blood feuds, cycles of vengeance, tit-for-tat violence that would escalate and tear society apart. What would people do about it? Well, they would all get together, basically, and identify a victim who -hmm. they would heap the blame onto, identify them as the source of all evil, and Mm -hmm. murder them in an act of unifying violence. Mm -hmm. And everybody's bloodlust, everybody's desire for vengeance, everybody's compulsion to do something about this. Like, do something. Something's wrong here, you know? The gods are angry. Something's wrong. And now we've done something about it. And harmony reigns again. The blood feuds are over because (laughs) something has been done. So, of course, if killing this victim solved the problem, logic would have it that he must have been the cause of the problem. Mm. So it's a victim or a victim subclass. And it's somebody, the, 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 those who are chosen for, to be the victims of sacrificial violence, because that's mm. what it turns into, ritual sacrifice, which was prevalent all around the world. Mm. The, the victims that are chosen have to be a little bit outside of society so that they don't have you know, their team coming to exact vengeance. So they tend to be you know, like virgins who are not of age yet or prisoners of war, or slaves, or even the king, because the king is outside of society by virtue of being above it. And a lot of cultures, you know, the king would in fact be required to heap evil upon himself, to violate the taboos, to commit atrocious acts, so that he would be the repository of evil. And when the time came, (laughs) you Um. know, he would be sacrificed. Okay, so basically, there's a, there, so the result is that human beings are highly attuned to making sure that when these cycles of 
the, these paroxysms of of sacrificial violence erupt that you're not going to be one of the dehumanized victims. You're not going to be one of the outgroup. You're not going to be one of the the weird kids. You're not going to be lumped in with the Jews, you mm. know, or the witches, or whoever it is that gets dehumanized and targeted for violence. Mm. And 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 so people are very attuned. Like when this phenomenon arises, people think, okay, who are the who are who are the cool kids? Who is the in crowd? What do I have to say to establish myself mm. as one of the good people? And 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 so you, you, people are attuned to the to the labels, um, to the the opinions, mm. uh, even to the clothing that you have to wear, to the things you have to put on your social media profile, mm-hmm. uh, the the latest thing you know is sometimes called yeah. to distinguish yourself, and so. This, so so you know, the deep cause then is the the latent fear and anxiety that is shaped by it could be even by um, totalitarian forces, uh, opportunistic forces. It's shaped and directed toward um, the enemies of the people, mm. and that's a lot of what happened during COVID. There was a tremendous fear, yeah. uh, latent in society that had no target. People didn't know what they were afraid of. Things mm-hmm. were falling apart, uh, and, and and why? And and so when they're given something to be afraid of, a virus, um, or you know now it's it's Vladimir Putin, the Russians. Mm. Um, it could be carbon dioxide. Uh, it could be, and I'm not saying that carbon dioxide is necessarily innocuous or that Vladimir Putin is a wonderful guy, but the, the basic pattern is you're given a target onto which to project all of your fear and all of your anxiety. Mm. And it provides a kind of a relief. Like, yeah. like health has been deteriorating in, in my country for two generations. Mm. Chronic disease is at, you know, 40, 50, 60%. Um, depression addiction, anxiety, suicide, autoimmune diseases, mental health issues. I mean, it's it's uh we're in a terrible situation. That's an epidemic. Right. Of monstrous proportions, but we don't know what to do about it. There's no mm. enemy to fight, there's no virus. So along comes a scary virus mm. and it's almost a relief. Oh, now here's something uh-huh. I can do something about it. I can wear a mask. I can stay 6 feet away from people. I mean, it doesn't matter how irrational the responses mm. are. Mm. They give a psychological sense of relief. Mm. So if you want to look at the deep causes, I'm sorry I've gone on so long. No, this but, is awesome. But it, but it really is the the yeah. latent fear in society, the craving for security, um, the pattern of finding an enemy, and the social pattern of of dehumanizing somebody, you know, mm-hmm. the, the, the anti-vaxxers, you know, mm-hmm. the the domestic extremists mm-hmm. oh and that's the cause of the problems and if we just lock them up to simplify or... yep yep is that you know before you continue because this is really i really appreciate the way you're breaking it down you mentioned like when we're given something to be afraid of like i don't know it, it that phrase just stuck in my mind given something to be afraid of now i'm curious this might sound like a kindergarten question but 
do you feel as though, I, I guess, who is giving us, is there someone giving us? Do you feel there is, are a group of people planning to give us something to be afraid of? Like, who is doing the giving? Yeah. Basically, so, like, so, what, what is that mechanism? I'm curious to hear your thoughts. Right. Ironically, that the same pattern operates in conspiracy theories ah. where we are given, you know, the, the satanic human trafficking elite, <laughs> you know, <laughs> that are the cause of all the problems. Mm. It's the same mental energy, the same, the, the same mythological form mm. as the virus. Mm. Here's what's to be afraid of. And it's something that you can identify as evil mm. and that therefore the solution in theory is simple. You get rid of all these bad guys. You get rid of the elites, Bill Gates and George Soros and Klaus Schwab, you know, and the problem will be solved. Mm. Just like you, you keep out that virus and you'll be healthy again. Yeah. You, you, you cut carbon emissions and the biosphere will, will thrive again. Mm. You know, it ignores so much complexity. That said, there are very ruthless, cynical and opportunistic institutions and people who have at least some understanding of these social dynamics. Wow. It's like in grade school, you know, there's the kid in the class, one of the bullies, one of the ringleaders, who's who's considered one of the popular kids who points to the weird kid yes. and says, says, you know, Jimmy's got cooties. You know, yeah. Jimmy's Jimmy, you know, wanked out in the bathroom, you know, and mm -hmm. everybody mm -hmm. piles on. So there's mm -hmm. that and he rides that to power and uses mm -hmm. that to maintain power. So this is, uh, there are, you know, people in positions of power who understand how to do this. Mm -hmm. And then this, there's a second kind of person who's always listening for what the bully says and who he's pointing at and joins in as early as possible. Mm -hmm. The third type of person mm -hmm. um, sees everybody else doing it and they think, yeah, Jimmy must have cooties because everybody <laughs> says he has cooties. So yeah, there must be something wrong with Jimmy. You know, mm. these are the people who are reading the news and they're all concerned about the domestic extremists and anti-vaxxers. Mm. And they just believe it because it seems to them that everybody's saying it. So they kind of go along. Mm. The fourth kind of person doesn't believe it, but they're afraid to speak out mm. because if they speak out, then the bullies are going to turn on them. If they make friends with Johnny, then they've got cooties too. Mm. Then they're a weird kid too. So they... They, you know, if they stand up for the guy who got fired for not getting the vaccine, or they they stand up for the, you know, person who gets hustled off the airplane for not wearing a mask, then they get in trouble too. They're, they, if they stand up for them on social media, then they get mm -hmm. um, they get canceled. Yeah. They get unfriended. So mm -hmm. they they maintain a resentful silence, and therefore contribute to the illusion. That right. everybody thinks that Jimmy is got cooties, right? Mm. Right. The fifth kind of person is the one who speaks out, mm. and they break the spell. If there's enough of them, they break the spell, mm. and then they and they encourage and empower the fourth kind to speak out, and the, and the third kind to say, "Oh yeah, maybe maybe there's nothing wrong with Jimmy." Mm. So that's what we have to be prepared for. Uh, when, and and when, when you understand these dynamics, when you can identify them, uh, I, I think that it it helps helps you to um, become the fifth kind of person rather than the third or the fourth. Okay. You know, I'll we can. We, yeah. 
how how does one develop the courage to become the fifth type of person? What is the process to develop that courage? Because it is a you know to be fair, it is a bit risky and scary to speak out when yeah. the whole world is going in one direction. All your friends, community, family think you're crazy, and yet you're kind of feeling something else. How I guess how have you developed the courage? Uh, a lot of it is is having a community around you, having people around you that can hold a story of sanity mm. uh, and and uh, confirm to each other what what they're seeing. The danger there, of course, is that you can <laughs> have an echo chamber that confirms this. Yes, that's what I was going to ask. Pretty much anything. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah. So, so sanity as I understand it, it's not so much having the correct beliefs about something, but it is, is a habit of, of checking into experiential reality and your own feelings about things. Mm. Because a lot of people gaslight themselves. Mm. They have an experience that the society around them says is um, problematic, that says is unreal, that says is crazy, delusionary. Mm. Um, I run a, a, a program online called the Sanity Project, and we had mm-hmm. uh, someone share in a in a call the other day uh, of, of an experience where where she was with her father as he passed away, and she felt after he passed away, she felt his spirit, like she felt him looking down at her from wow. the corner of the room, and then she's like, "Yeah, but you know that, mm-hmm. that maybe that was just wishful thinking." Um, and I didn't really feel that. I just wanted to feel that, you know, and I said, mm-hmm. I said, look, you know what you felt. Don't mm-hmm. gaslight yourself into, into, into the idea that that wasn't real. Mm-hmm. So a lot of the, the, the source of this courage that you're speaking of comes from a practice of self-trust. It's not trusting that you're always right. It's not trusting your own opinions. It's trusting your direct experiences that are on a deeper level than than narratives. Mm. Mm. And, and that practice can be held in a group. Mm. I, I guess how to discern though that like because I might have a direct experience of something, but I could be, you know, deluded. But how, so how do I how do I discern? If my direct experience is accurate, you know, sane, you know, true, because maybe I could delude myself into thinking, well, I, 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 I have this direct experience, and this is now my belief, and I felt it, but it doesn't mean it's necessarily, yeah, accurate. You can you can delude yourself um, as to the interpretation of the experience, uh huh, but what you felt is what you felt. And I do think that the that one thing that we can feel is the presence of another person. Mm. Like presence is something that you can't measure, you can't quantify it, you can't pin it down scientifically. Therefore, the reigning story of our society says it doesn't exist. There's no mm. such thing. So trusting our direct experiences can involve rejecting what we have been told about what's real, what's possible, what is yeah. possible for a human being to feel. Yeah. 
Yeah, got it. Um, so I guess as a society, how do we how do we come together? How do we how do we heal this division? You know, how, how do we, because the world has gotten a bit divided over the last few years. At least it it's, it's appears more so. Maybe it was always that way, but it's at least come to the surface to see more apparent. So, so um, many of us people have lost friends that they thought were friends. Many people have, you know, had disagreements based on politics and vaccinations and the pandemic and what have you. And so how do we come together as a humanity? with people that have seemingly counter opposite perspectives, some of which, you know, I might think they're crazy. They might think I'm crazy. And yet we're still on this planet together and work together and got to kind of figure shit out together. So yeah, can you speak to that? Well, I think one thing is um, to get very clear on what our, what our intentions and purpose are. Mm. The pattern I spoke of earlier of, uh, reciprocal violence, cycles of vengeance. One way that that appears today is this like vindictiveness where you want to prove that you were right and they were wrong and you want them to suffer for having been wrong and, mm -hmm. and you want to be vindicated. You want them to admit that you were right all along. Mm -hmm. That's a kind of a dominance. It's a dominance behavior that is distinct from a very pure and noble desire for this never to happen again mm. or for the victims of persecution to be given restitution like that that gets mixed in with a desire for uh for for vengeance and for dominance mm. so if you are serving both that desire as well as a very altruistic desire for the world to heal you will be at cross purposes with yourself and you will be sowing the seeds of future turmoil by by reinforcing the pattern of of uh, reciprocal violence of mm -hmm. othering of the good guys and the bad guys. That's what we are going to have to let go of for society to heal, and everybody will have their own way of let going of letting go of it. And the the next step of your own personal release of vengeance and dominance is unique to you. You know, I can't say what that is, but that is the offering that's being made to us at this time. And every time one of us releases that and instead puts on our altar healing or cooperation or um, creation of, of something beautiful, mm. then that issues as, as a kind of a prayer, as you're saying, here's, here's what a human being does in the circumstances that I am in. They put aside their desire for vengeance. They put aside their desire for domination. And instead, they serve this other thing. Mm. And so you are establishing what a human being does. And when enough people do that, the consciousness of the whole planet changes. Do you feel we'll get there? Are you hopeful for humanity? Yeah. Oh yeah, I mean, this is there's such an awakening. What, going what on. are you? What, what what are you hopeful for? What are you? What's the possibility that that excites you when you look at humanity? Because it's, I think it's easy for us to get caught up in 
everything seems to be going to shit. And so what what's the hope you have when you, when you look at us now? When everything's going to shit, that is an especially ripe time to choose a different path. When things are working pretty well, <laughs> you know, then you're not going to make a big change. You know, say say you're uh, say that you're a heroin addict, but you've got your supply. You know, you've got your supply all set. You know, you're you're you're, <laughs> you're you've got a good job. You know, and yeah, sometimes you're taking an extra sick day here and there, but you know, you're you're maintaining it, and you're like, gosh, I would like to quit. You know, because I'd have so much more time and energy and health, and I'm starting to lose my friendships, but. You know, unless things become so painful that you you cannot maintain your supply without really messing things up, Mm. you're probably not going to change. Yeah, They call it hitting bottom. Mm. Hitting bottom doesn't automatically save you either. Mm. It's only bottom when you make it bottom and you rise again. Mm. Otherwise, there's another bottom and another bottom and another bottom below it. So in a sense, you could say that our society potentially is hitting bottom. And if we don't turn right now, then there will be another bottom. And things will get worse and worse and worse, unimaginably worse. Mm. These dystopian hellscapes that people that that feed into some of the conspiracy programming, these are genuine futures mm. that we, we could go there, but really? they are not inevitable. They are the result of choices. And the futures, the positive timelines, those are what co-resonate with the type of choice that I had been that I've been describing. Mm. Uh, where where places on earth that have been mired in warfare for generations or even centuries, you know, like Palestine, uh, there's there's peace there, there's healing, there's brotherhood, mm. there's it becomes the Holy Land, in the sense where everybody's welcome, yeah. yeah, and celebrating each other, and 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 you can feel that that possibility, mm-hmm. you know, you can feel the possibility of, you know, I, I'm I'm working on the Kennedy campaign, you know, and one of the things that that we're tapping into is this possibility for um, a unification of of working people, black and white, you know, young and old, urban and rural, um, who put down the artificial divisions that mm. prevent coherency and create a society that works for everybody. Because there is such wealth in our society, such poverty alongside such wealth. Mm. And most of the wealth is being used for purposes that serve nobody and nothing. You know, a trillion dollars a year of military spending, mm. uh, just for starters. Mm. Imagine what our society would look like if we turned our energy and our wealth and our attention toward toward rebuilding you know mm-hmm. toward toward taking care of each other mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. so once we do that there's just there's no limit on how beautiful the world could be yeah and how much we could restore what are some of the you, you've begun speaking to it but what are, what are some of the other maybe specific changes that you see as a humanity collectively, individually, some of the changes yeah. that we, in order to fulfill that possibility that, that we like, we're going to have to like, let this go. We're going to have to 
resolve this? What are some of those changes you see we're going to have to make collectively and individually? I mean, basically, yeah, I mean, we're going to have to stop gaslighting ourselves and start trusting our direct experiences that contradict what we have been told about human nature and about the nature of reality. Some mm-hmm. of these experiences contradict what we were told about, about that people are just selfish, that people are in it for themselves, that mm-hmm. people uh, are always seeking the best deal, mm-hmm. uh, that it's that it's us against them. Like we, people have experiences all the time of generosity and kindness mm-hmm. and and um, noble service. Mm-hmm. But somehow that's kind of like, and redemption, you know, that's another thing. Like people who have committed the most heinous acts can have a change of heart. Mm. And if we foreclose that possibility by holding them in a story that they will never be healed and never be redeemed, then there is no livable future except constant war. Uh, you know, constant imprisonment, constant fences and, and walls and and surveillance and like the security mindset that is baked into the cake when we hold human beings in a certain story. Mm. And and for for physical healing, too, another um, another story that was shared on, on, on my uh, on the Sanity Project was a woman who her son was diagnosed with stage four answer wow and the doctors said um you know they said okay well we're going to do surgery and then you know radiation and then chemo and then da, 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 and then like and just basically and he still probably won't make it but this is the only chance uh otherwise he has you know two months to live or something like that mm. and you wouldn't get a second opinion basically the same thing except they were going to do the chemo first and then the surgery and she just was like no, I'm going to try something else. She had had a little bit of uh, Mm -hmm. contact with alternative, the alternative universe, you know? Mm. And so she, she, now I actually cannot tell you what therapy she used because uh, YouTube's policy is to remove any, any medical information that contradicts um, WHO guidelines. And, and they especially mention alternative cancer therapies. Mm. So, Let's just say that she did something, did something, and and her son was cured in three mm-hmm. weeks. Three weeks. Wow. She gets a phone call from the oncologist. He says, "Where's your son? What do you mean? He's supposed to be in the clinic right now for for his first session of chemo." And she says, "Oh, his cancer's gone. You know, here's here's the, uh, you know, look at the look at the um, blood work and the." the um, um, MRI. Mm. And he's like, there's no way that the cancer is gone. I don't care what the MRI says, get him in here. Mm. He still has cancer. And she says, how do you know that he still has cancer? What, what, you know, how do you know if someone has cancer? And he says, it's the MRI and the blood work. And she's like, but they just said that he doesn't have cancer. And he's like, lady, you get him in here right now, or I am going to report you to the police for <laughs> child abuse. Wow. <laughs> And he's and she said, um, "Well, you can't do that. He's 22. He makes his own decisions." And then the oncologist said, "Well, then, Miss, you are a murderer." Wow. And he hung up. So that there's a there's a a collective gaslighting mm. of ourselves that 
and, and I mean it like the word gaslighting is overused now, but mm-hmm. but really what it means is that is that you you deny someone's direct experience of reality mm-hmm. by by changing by you know you 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 turn down the the gas lights right um you you give them information that makes them think that they're crazy right and we're doing that the the collective being of our of our society is doing that there there if we admitted stories like this woman's into our our pantheon of truth we would have a completely different society we would right. have a completely different medical system. We would have mm-hmm. a completely different police system. We would have a we would if we admitted the possibility of redemption and, and these stories, we would ask, okay, how does that happen? Mm-hmm. How does redemption happen? Mm-hmm. How does this change of heart happen? And let's design prisons mm-hmm. with that in mind. Mm-hmm. We would have, you know, we 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 would in, in just a, a short amount of time our society would be completely transformed. Mm. It's not that hard. It's not that far away. Mm. It's simply to recognize what's true, to take it in, to stop deceiving ourselves. Mm. Mm. And we can start, you know, I mean, a lot of people, probably everybody listening to this has had some experience. Maybe even it's a secondhand experience. Someone in your life has had some experience that if you really took that in all the way, much of the rest of your life just wouldn't make sense anymore. Mm-hmm. And and the the normality that we are fed, the official reality, would be completely impotent mm-hmm. to to affect our perceptions. Mm-hmm. If we just took this one data point in, because then you ask, okay, if this is true. If that really was my father gazing down at me, then what else is true? What else is true about myself? Mm. What else is true about the nature of of this of this reality of this creation? That amount of love that I felt in that moment—that's there all the time. What does that mean? Mm. And then to start to 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 trace those threads of if this is true, then what is true, and if that's true, then what is true? That's liberation. Beautiful, beautiful. Um, last few questions. Uh, I, I love to just touch on this theme of abundance. You know, uh, I know a lot of folks during COVID, through this pandemic, the last few years have been feeling a bit constricted, restricted when it comes to money, abundance, the economy, talk of recession, instability, and so. Just from your your perspective, how can someone, how can we cultivate, how can we move out of this idea and paradigm of scarcity into a state of consciousness of, of more abundance and feeling more abundance and relating mm-hmm. from a place of abundance? Because mm-hmm. you, know, you turn on the news and it's like, oh my God, this is happening, that's happening, and this yeah. recession and that recession. So... Speak, speak to us a bit of cultivating an abundance mindset. Yeah. You know, there is an awful lot of authentic scarcity in this world because uh-huh. we live in a system that creates artificial scarcity. Mm. And so, you know, if I'm, if you're, if you're talking to somebody who's working two jobs and like the hotel maids in Los Angeles, you know, mm. who 
the nearest housing they can afford is two hours away. And so they're sleeping in their cars, mm-hmm. you know, in between shifts. Like if you tell them, oh, you know, your problem is that you don't have a mentality of abundance. Uh, you know, that is a pretty uh, mm. arrogant mm. and inconsiderate thing to say. Yeah. Um, that said, there is a fundamental abundance that anyone can access. Mm. Simply the fact that you're alive is a tremendous gift that was not earned. Mm. <laughs> you know, we didn't earn our lives. We didn't earn the, the the blue sky and the the air that we can breathe and the water that we can drink and our mothers taking care of us and mm-hmm. the, the seeds that grow like we didn't earn that so so life in this world our breath our bodies our heart that knows how to beat all of this is is gift yeah and sometimes we get reminders of mm-hmm. the gift nature of the universe mm-hmm. when people come into our lives with kindness and generosity uh, and, and or we have peak experiences, you know, we, we, we're connected to this fundamental truth. And there are those who, even in the most extreme circumstances, are able to tap into this and and be beacons mm-hmm. of love uh, and kindness in situations where most where most of us might, um, you know, want to kill ourselves mm-hmm. and or get really mean. Mm-hmm. you know, and take it out on others. There are people who are, who are just like angelic. So this, just because someone is, you know, living in their car and working two jobs doesn't mean that they have no access to this kind of abundance. However, we have to recognize that our entire system is built on a consciousness of scarcity and it reinforces a consciousness of scarcity. I, I like to compare it to a game of yeah. musical chairs. You know, imagine if we're playing a big game of musical chairs and there's a hundred people and 95 chairs and the music stops and everybody's got to go for a chair. And and if you don't get a chair, then you get kicked out of your apartment. You lose your house, you lose medical care and your kid goes hungry mm. and everybody's jostling and elbowing for one of those chairs. <laughs> and if you blame them and say, Oh, there's plenty of chairs. You're just in scarcity mentality. You're really missing part of the picture. Mm. The scarcity mentality is collective. And maybe there are some people in the midst of the melee who do give the chair to the pregnant woman or the old man next to them and do without themselves. And they are in tapping into that deeper level of abundance. But the rules of the game are set up for division and for scarcity. And what has to happen for that to change is that everybody playing the game has got to get together and question the rules of the game Mm. and say, hey, look, there's some chairs sitting over there outside the circle. Why don't we bring those chairs in? Who's making up the rules of this game anyway? Mm. Why are we playing by these rules? We got to change the rules. Mm. That's So that's the counterpart. That's like the political counterpart to the individual spiritual work of, of... of practicing gratitude and recognizing the fundamental abundance that exists. Mm-hmm. If I ask the final question, do, do you feel you mentioned that you're working on Kennedy's, you know, campaign? Do you feel things can change? Like when I look at uh, politics, it seems so entrenched in you know just so much stuff, and it, like. 
do you feel things can change? Yes. And I want to say, though, that that, that question yes. encodes a kind of a powerlessness and a kind of a victim mentality. Because mm-hmm. it says, basically it's saying, no matter what you do, right. unless things can change, then no matter what you do, that's, that, that, that's, that's futile if things can't change outside mm-hmm. of what you can do. Mm-hmm. But I want to tap into a, another sense of the question, which is, which is, you know, are, are, are things going to change? Mm-hmm. And I'm like, yeah, they're going to change because I'm in an empowered place to do something about it. Mm-hmm. The future, we are not victims of the future. We are creators of the future. And we have way more power than the, the prevailing story of what's real and possible gives us. We are powerful beings. And so this question, can it change? I would turn that into, will it change? Mm. That's up to us. Yeah. Will we change yeah. also? Yeah. We have a choice. Yeah. And, and because, as I was saying before, because the society right now is kind of at a bottom, it's in mm. such a terrible crisis, we have a special opportunity right now to, to make this change. Hasn't, we haven't had this opportunity for a long time. The, the, the um, alienation of all of the dispossessed from the story of normal that the elite institutions are trying to maintain, that's a tremendous opportunity. We don't believe it anymore. We don't, we don't buy into it anymore. We don't mm. hold our, our leaders with any kind of respect. Wow, folks, you heard it. You heard it from Charles. Um, could you assign to everyone listening a specific practical like homework assignment of just one thing that, as a result of listening to this conversation, folks can just immediately go and do or take a step to just tap into their own sense of uh, agency and power? Uh, maybe I would invite people to... Uh, locate uh, in their memory um, one of these experiences that doesn't fit Mm. into reality as it has been presented to us. Mm. And simply recognize that experience as the treasure and the gift that it is. Because that step of fully receiving that experience, it starts a process of change in motion. Mm. And and it kind of wakes wakes you up into, into a greater degree of sanity. Because what is insane is to reject reality. Uh-huh. And there's a lot of reality that we are encouraged <laughs> to reject. Right. But so let's 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 accept reality, including the parts that are unpopular, mm. and see what happens. Beautiful. Folks, you heard the homework assignment from Charles. Uh dive into it. Let me know how it goes. Send me an email, kootblackson at kootblackson.com. I'd love to hear your key takeaways from today's episode and and your your marinations on the homework assignment. Charles, I'd, I've, I've loved this conversation. You always uh, get me thinking in different ways, and I hope everyone is is stirring and uh, reflecting on, on what you've shared today. What's the best way? I want people to connect with you. Just what's the best way people can find you, get in touch with you? I know you have... Uh, a program, the Sanity Project. Uh, how can people find out about that? Uh, you know, you can just go to my website, charleseisenstein.org. Uh, also, I have a Substack, 
column that I write. You can find it if you look for it. Great. Yeah. We'll, we'll put all the links in the show notes um, so people can find you and connect with you and connect with your work and connect with the Sanity Project. Really appreciate you, man. Appreciate your work. Yeah. Appreciate your voice. Appreciate your courage. Uh, just keep on keeping on. Yep. Man. Yeah. Thanks. Good. Appreciate your f- questions and your, and your presence. So thank yeah. you. May the force be with yeah. you, brother. Folks, you heard it. Uh, Charles Eisenstein, share this episode with anyone in your life you feel would benefit. Uh, send me an email. I'd love to hear your key takeaways from today's episode. And uh, make sure you write a review on iTunes or Spotify. Until next week, love now. If you've enjoyed this episode of Soul Talk, please do share the podcast with all of your friends. Let everyone know and make sure you download Soul Talk today. I'm looking forward to next week where I'll get to share more inspiration with you. Meanwhile, follow me on Facebook, Instagram, or social media. You can find out more about my work at www.cooplaxon.com. If you feel ready to take your life to the next level, join me at my exclusive event in Bali, www.boundlessblissbali.com, where you can find out more and apply. Also, make sure to remember to download my free two-part video training series and learn the ultimate secrets to happiness and fulfillment at coopblackson.com. Sending you all big hugs and love now.